Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at deconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley. With me today is Julie and Samantha. Welcome to episode 177. Here we are. We struggle with the intro without Andrew. <laughs> I know. because We're it's so supposed used to, be... to Andrew being here. <laughs> I know people don't like change. And last time I tried to change the intro, it got weird with people's feedback online, but that was when the <laughs> pandemic was happening. Everything else was changing in their life and they wanted consistency, but mm -hmm. I, you are being forewarned now the intro and maybe the music is going to change for 2022. So, Oh, you're going to throw everybody off. Don't be shocked. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Lots to talk about today. It's, it's been a, it's just, can I just, it's been a crazy time of year. I think because, well, this should be story time, pre-story time, story time. Everyone is still hitting or above sales goals for the most part. Everyone still has traffic and appointments and everything's rolling, but there's just this intrepidation about what is to come and are we ready? Which I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's just, it's natural that people feel that way, but someone seems to have fired off a gun to say like, <laughs> let's go talk to, to do you convert other people to, to make sure we're ready for 2022. So it's just been, yeah, it is interesting coming from the builder side, working on this side, you do start hearing the same things all at the same time. And it's right? crazy because we have so many builders across the country, but just busy weeks are busy weeks for everybody for some reason. And like issues or budget <laughs> concerns all come up on the same week. I'm so. glad to hear you say that. Cause I used to think I was just crazy in making it all up, but it, it does, it does happen. It sounds like it to does. everyone. Well, let's, let's hop into story time. And first up, Julie. Okay. So I was about to buy something this past week. It was like a fitness course kind of thing. And then I stopped and I realized that it was almost Black Friday. And then a lot of that stuff goes on sale right around Black Friday and towards the end of the year. So it's under a hundred dollars. So I mean, the discount wouldn't be that much, but I emailed the company and was like, I just want to know whether I should buy this or wait for it to go. Are you going to have a sale? Cause I would feel really ripped off if I, you know, lost 10 whole dollars or whatever it was. And um, so as just a principle, it's a principle, as a principle exactly. So it just made me think about if I hate feeling ripped off on something so small and trivial as that, it's how our home buyers are worried about pricing of their home and overpaying right now. And so even I know I'm going to buy this thing because I want it. Some people know they're going to move, but they already come into this process so stressed out that they're overpaying and they're coming into the process like that. So I just think it's a good time to think about content around helping people feel better about that stuff about interest rates and how much more, you know, if that goes up, what's going to change. If you mm -hmm. need to make a purchase anyway, this is what the market is. It's time to think about that. What are your salespeople telling people, which are content out there helping people feel better about it? Because yeah, that's in people's minds. And if we worry about it with small things, think how you would feel if, you know, in a few months, they think that they could get their home for tens of thousands of dollars less. So they're in a weird yeah. spot right now. And what would make it even worse would be if you said that you had a special incentive or yes. sale or you were advertising to the general public $10,000 off any home. That's not, yes. 
that's not encouraging at, at all. It kind of feeds into that. And that's, that's one of the reasons in the professional builder magazine article that I wrote is, is incentives are not a thing, even in a hard market that you want to be in a place where you're having to publicize those just to gain attention. If you have to run a coupon essentially, or give away a Cadillac or a Mercedes. Remember that 2008, <laughs> if you have to do that just to get their attention, then the rest of the process is not going to go anywhere like it should either. But yeah, providing certainty. So content providing certainty around pricing and not necessarily price stability. Yeah. We don't have a magic ball, so we don't need to promise them that prices won't change because we don't know. Yeah. But what we can communicate is uh, data around what prices were two or three years ago and, yeah. and where they've gone to. And I mean, it's, it's similar, but, but totally different too. I've read somewhere actually where you are, uh, Samantha in, in the Denver Metro area that the number of existing homes on the market has doubled from the low to, to now it's like almost 4,000 homes on the market existing and new. And that, that sounds like a big increase, 50%, but pre-pandemic, it was over 20,000. And so we still have a <laughs> long ways to go. So I'm just thinking, I'm sure there's people here who you would say, like this similar floor plan with these similar options in a similar geographic location, two and a half years ago might have been 150 grand less. So think about that appreciation, even if it goes down a little bit you're not going to go down 150 grand. And if you do, no one's going to buy a house and we're all going to, you know, be making sure we have weapons and firearms yeah, to protect our families. <laughs> we, got, we got bigger problems. Yeah. Back when I was, I think I shared this before. It was a time where I got on this kick of like, we should own just like a little bar of gold in the house in case everything, you know, I, I don't know what I was, I don't know why I was just fascinated by it. And my wife kept saying, if we need that in our house, we're already in trouble because yeah. Kevin, you're a pacifist. We don't own any guns. We're all in trouble. Like we're going to go hide somewhere else to survive. <laughs> but um, certainty around where prices were, what the trend has been. Um, you can talk about the fact that you guys don't have a history. If your builder doesn't have a history of dropping incentives or running um, advertised promotions, you know, just having someone say advertised promotions have never been a part of our business strategy or plan. And we don't foresee that changing anytime soon. It's not a promise, but it does add certainty. Great points. And we have seen builders, even in the great state of Texas, currently advertising to the general public incentives of 10 grand or more mm. on homes. And that's just a strange time to, when we still have people yeah. showing up every day. That's a yeah. strange time. Sam, I know you don't have a story. You don't have to. It's always optional, but you did have you know, just you got pre-approved on a on a house. So that's a pretty big deal. And you're talking yeah. to a home builder. Mm -hmm. If they would just did we I think it was when I wasn't here, you talked about the fact that you had to chase down the OSC to get um I had to go around the OSC to go get around the OSC to get the information <laughs> you needed. But yeah, that's to get questions answered. Go check that out in the archives. But that's exciting. So do you have a timeline of well, when you'd least... like to find something? Our lease expires in July, so we have time. Um, but the community we're looking at right now, they have pre-model pricing. So that's a pretty big incentive to get yeah. a house now. But yeah. we'd have You're to like break a our lease. dream, too, of a buyer who's not looking for something to move into tomorrow. Like when you say summer, essentially, is your timeline. Um, I bet a lot of salespeople are like, man, I wish I could just find people who had 
some realistic expectations. Although is that realistic? I don't know. I mean, it, not if you're going to buy new necessarily. You know what? Yeah. You want to be in by July? Mm-hmm. Are they building the homes already? They just started. Yes. They okay. have move-ins for January and March, April right now. So, and they have, um, the the plan that we like is on a huge corner lot, which is perfect. So we're going to go check them out this weekend and kind of try to make a decision if we want to start getting out of our lease early or what we're going to do. So here's what you have to do. And this is, you can, you can undo it at the end, but go through the whole visit and just see if they ask you to fill out a registration form. Or do you, do you have to fill something out before you go there? I think, well, I'm already in the system. system. Right. But let's just see if they ask, like if okay. they know you're in the system and then at the end you can be like, Oh, by the way, can you make sure you update my information in the CRM? Cause I'm really interested. Like give me an A rating and, and call me please. <laughs> I, think <that'd, laughs> I think that'd be awesome. Oh, okay. So the first controversial fun thing I want to talk to you all about is that I think all, well, all, see, I almost lied myself. The majority of influencers are liars with a capital L. And yes, I've been triggered as the kids say, but I was perusing Instagram and my wife's a big fan of Studio McGee, um, a big design group. And I'm browsing through and I see these, these photos of this perfectly posed couple through the years, apparently hanging up wreaths and holiday decorations um, and, and it talks, the, so one, these are clearly posed, like they, they would be on the covers of magazines yeah, or in definitely even, even like the positioning of the people, um, they're like looking away from you, but turning their head back to the camera as if it was a candid moment. Yeah. As they like hang a wreath <laughs> or yeah, he's leaned up on the door frame. Yeah. And, and so that's not the, that's not where my issue arises. But then I read the comment or the, the description on the post reminiscing on holiday scenes from years past heart emoji, floating face, raise your hand. If you decorated this weekend. And I think, I think just as busy as we are in our personal lives with building a house and four kids and two going to school two homeschooling, I'm working from home, the industry doing what it is. And it was late at night. I was just tired. And I said, this really makes me mad. And I said, Melly, I just want to comment right now on this, on this post. You are a freaking liar. You <laughs> didn't, you didn't decorate those or actually do probably half the work in the shot. And how dare you make people feel bad by asking them, like, are you decorating this weekend? Like it's, it's they should. And if they are decorating this weekend, is it one of those scenarios of here's what the cookbook shows the recipe should turn out like, and here's what it really turned out like I saw Jackie Lipinski did that the other day. It was hilarious. It was completely different from the image. So then my wife was like, man, that's one really rude. And you just need to go to bed. You're tired. And I said, you're right. That's why I'm just voicing it to you. But then she said, also you're a marketer. Like all marketers are liars. And I said, excuse me, uh, we're not all liars being strategic and highlighting the best features of something or communicating the benefits to the customer is, is different. And making sure you're cutting through the clutter is different than just outright lying. And she was like, is it, I don't, I was like, are you Will Duderstadt right now? What is happening? Cause Will and I, Will, Will likes to kind of toy with me over text messages and, and when we're eating pancakes. So I, I tossed it out to someone on a call today and then to our crew internally and in, in a meeting earlier today. 
But I do think there's something different. And I think it has to do with where the starting point comes from. And then I'll get your guys' perspectives is influencers, well, companies, let's start with companies. And when you see a company post something from a company account, the starting place is, I understand this is an organization with an angle, with a, with a media team, with a marketing team, with all of the different elements to, to put this together. And so I'm, I'm fully alert no matter what it says, right? Yeah. Whether there is copy that says this was a staged couple or not, you're like, you look like a staged stock art couple. So <laughs> whereas the default position from an influencer account is not that. And I think the majority, the majority of what influencers do is more lying than, but, but again, here it's all, it's to some, some, some shade of gray. Yeah. I just feel like it's, I feel like it's more evil, partly because of how it can make other people feel. And advertising can do that too, right? Like, why don't I have this car that drives faster, can go in the snow, can do whatever, but it just seems so much more direct because of the personal nature to it. So tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, talk me off the ledge. Call me an old man. What do, what do we need to yeah, do no, I see. I see both sides because I see some people enjoy this for the aspirational account that it is. They don't want to see, you know, the ugly old green (laughs) tubs that we've been using that have big cracks that have all our Christmas decorations. Like they, they want to see the fantasy land of what it could be. I think some people enjoy that. I actually used to follow this account but it just made me like hate my house. So I unfollowed <laughs> it. So for this reason, I'm, I don't follow them. So maybe it has its place. I think what's dangerous is when people don't, and dangerous, you use lie. I can right, use dangerous. Right, right. What's, <laughs> what's dangerous is if people don't realize that now, like these big accounts, they are a product just as much as we are marketing products. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people see that or not. I, I feel like, maybe because we're in marketing, we see it, but do they see that it's actually a product being marketed to them? I mean, the whole account kind of is worth something. So that's my, I see both sides of it, but I understand why some people like to follow this kind of thing and don't want to see the ugly side of it. Like they wouldn't like it. They would unfollow it if it was the ugly side of it because they want to see the Uh, Yeah, a hundred percent. I just feel like, couldn't they say, like show one of the five images be like when they actually did it themselves and then talk about how over time their design process grew. Maybe that's too long or in depth of a story and no one cares. Show like a snapshot from, well, they're probably too young. We probably have a Christmas tree picture somewhere in a old album that would be hilarious to show because it was when we were very broke and had a very ugly old tree. (laughs) Yeah. Samantha, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree with Julie. I mean, I don't follow a whole bunch of influencers because I do find that these people put on like this fake life and you kind of start comparing yourself to them and what they're posting and it can be depressing. Like it's not real. So I like the accounts that kind of show you both sides of it that will be like, this is real life and this is Instagram. So I like those accounts. And then, yeah, most of the time they are marketing a certain product with a code that they get money if you click their code and use their code. So it is kind of deceptive in a way. Yeah. There's just something, and maybe it's because, and that makes me wonder, do do we, do we cause the same angst in households without knowing it? 
I'm sure we we probably do, but seeing how my wife responds to this stuff is partly what makes me so angry. You know, it's like, she's, she's running like crazy and then feels like because her front porch wreath doesn't have, or, 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 and probably I'm even more reflecting if she's like, well, how come you're not like this husband in this picture smiling? (laughs) uh, Oh, the truth comes out. (laughs) Tastefully, tastefully dressed, getting ready to hand me said wreath (laughs) with a smile and a coffee and, you know, willing to sit for a one hour photo shoot to get the right image. Maybe, maybe that's more of where it comes from. Why are you know. wearing that old t-shirt while you're hanging Christmas lights? <laughs> exactly. I, need a picture. exactly. I actually used to work for a builder and they wanted the models to look lived in. They didn't want them to be all pretty and spotless. They wanted uh-huh. a toothbrush on the, yeah. on the bathroom and they wanted it to feel more livable, which is good and bad. I think there's something to do that. I mean, you don't have to have, you know, hair on the toothbrush, but, <laughs> but a toothbrush in the scene, I think does add something for sure. Pro, you know, correct product placement or the idea of someone living there is, is yeah. good. So this just continues my thoughts on influencers in general. But well, Mike would say you are an influencer. So I know he, he tries to get every time he's like, that's such an influential <laughs> post you just put out there. <laughs> so just getting to it, this, this week's question of the week will be, Tell me the truth. Are all marketers liars uh, or does Kevin just need to get over it? So we'll post that in the Facebook group. Tell me, <laughs> tell me exactly why I'm wrong. Cause I, I have a feeling most of you are going to say I'm wrong and I'm okay with that. A quick update on the house. We're still on schedule, supposedly to be moved in December 15th. Things are slowly, we're still painting and staining and, um, and, doing a little bit of trim left. But after that, they're saying everything's going to go fast. We're going to be out of town for a week. So I have a feeling when we get back in town, um, there will be a whole bunch of stuff done. Otherwise, again, we're looking for people to take us in over the holiday season while we're waiting for the... Are y'all nervous about being gone during this stage or maybe it's better because I think it's going to be... I'm hoping the builder is strategically waiting for Melanie to leave the country. (laughs) And then get all the little little stuff done and, and have time to to fix it up before she gets back. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think yesterday might have been the first time in two months that she hasn't gone to the house like every day. And I'm and it's we're better for it. But pool contractors are still the worst ever. Our our pool has been, like I said, probably the, the biggest source of of all health related stress issues uh, in our household. Now everything, every, every single item in the pool has been ordered or delivered wrong or incorrect. The pool coping that they gave us wasn't what we ordered, but they said, that's all we have. So take it or leave it. Um, the step color was put in incorrect. I could go on and on and on, but now the latest thing is the liner was supposed to be installed on Monday, water added. So it could be winterized. Um, and the liner came in and they're like, well, whoops, we cut it backwards. Like if we, put it on inside out oh, no. then it would work, but that's not, you can't do that with a pool liner. So now the pool has to sit mostly done out in, you know, Ohio elements for another three to four weeks and hopefully doesn't get, doesn't get damaged. Just Jeez. don't buy pools. Anyone, <laughs> at least until everyone else gets their pools built and then just wait for, wait for them to go on sale. Maybe, maybe next black Friday <laughs> to, to pay it back. <laughs> We got a ton of new guests coming on the podcast. Uh, December is is oftentimes a time that I try to get a whole bunch. Of, I think I've got 10 different interviews lined up for December. We're on the way. One already is going to be huge. Uh, it's one of my favorite 
people that I have looked up to. I've spoken to them before uh, over the phone a couple times, but I've never had a chance to to have a one-on-one conversation like this. And so we're going to do some, some fun stuff there. Seriously, like to me, one of the top five most influential people in our industry, even though you, you may not know their name right off the bat. So that's coming. And then by the time this comes out, we'll have a blog post and potentially a video walkthrough on 2022 marketing budgets up on the site. So go check that out. Love link in the show notes if it is live. All right, moving on to the news. First up, Open Door shares soar as investors predict gains in home buying market after Zillow's exit. This was uh, originally published Thursday, November 4th, but when Zillow announced that they were gone, uh, Open Door's stock price went up. They've since also reported their third quarter results uh, yesterday on Wednesday, and uh, they they knocked it out of the park. And I saw actually a chart, which we don't have a link to in the show notes, but essentially it showed the the problem. It was from Mike Del Preti. Um, the problem with Zillow in, in one chart was uh, Zillow made on average money pre-expenses on their homes uh, between zero and 10% profit about half the time. And about half the time they lost zero to 10% profit before all other expenses. Whereas Open Door had the, the vast majority of their homes sold for a profit, some as high as in the mid 30 percentage, uh, mid 30s. And when they lost, it never went much past it. It looked like 5%. So clearly better. And Open Door is positioned to, um, in fact, at the end of the day, right now, they're they're valued probably closer to um, $17, $18 billion. And Zillow's market cap was at $50 billion in February. And, and um, now it's hovering right around the same amount, $16, $17 billion. So, and also Open Door just announced uh, yesterday, I think, that they have started a new program called Builder Connect. Opendoor.com slash W slash builder dash connect. Um, but we can't put this link in the show notes uh, for you guys. And it puts your new construction homes in front of high quality buyers on Opendoor. So essentially a, a listing service light where you can put your listings on their site and people who are already on Opendoor can see your information on your listings, uh, schedule a tour, all that stuff. So Opendoor is definitely, definitely on the offensive. So I have a question for you on that article. One of the investors said in there that, you know, Open Door is winning because of all of their data. Well, I always thought of Zillow as having the most data because of all their users. Is it just because it's specifically eye-buying data? Um, what is it about Open Door's data that makes it yeah. Zillow's? I don't think it's the data or data. Which one is that? You're, you're the English. <laughs> you're, I trust you. I don't you. know. Data, data. It's not so much data. I think they have similar types of data. Zillow, Zillow definitely should have more of it. It seems to be more of the human processes around how the data is used to me, Julie, because they just have better systems and processes and management of the humans that are involved or more humans uh, involved in the decision. They just have more operational discipline, I think is a, is a popular term for it. And that actually uh, leads us right into our next article from the notorious ROB, um, notorious Rob, I think it's actually what it is, but uh, Project Ketchup, iBuying is just fine, Zillow was not. And apparently um, he found from a Business Insider article 
about Project Ketchup. I don't think you can make this stuff up if it's real. And in fact, Andrew just slacked over. He said Project Ketchup didn't quite cut the mustard, um, which is which is hilarious. But that was the internal name was we're going to catch up and overtake Open Door. And that means we have to buy more homes, win more homes. And and that ultimately more than the Zestimate or any lack of data is the reason why this whole thing had to be shut down. And even beyond that, one of the things they talked about in Project Ketchup falling apart was they in this article is they interviewed contractors. So on the one hand, they they were buying these homes, but they they had potentially a cash flow challenge, it looked like, because they were having to pay more for the homes. They weren't paying contractors who were coming in to fix up the homes on the terms that were originally agreed to or, or turning things around slower. So eventually you can imagine, especially in a place like Southern California, contractors are in, in high demand for everything. And so if you're not getting paid from source A, you're going to go work for source B. And so when they made that initial uh, announcement that they were pausing all iBuying because of a, an issue with contractor shortages, that might've actually been true as crazy as it sounds that the contractors that they were using were not excited to continue working for Zillow in the same scale that they had been because of other issues with, with the process. So it really does as more, as more comes out, it seems like process and, and human capital more than just raw data and cash is part of what set this whole thing sideways for Zillow, which is, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just shocking. Finally, to end our saga, uh, our trilogy of articles around this topic of iBuying, from therealdeal.com, Predium Partners picks up 2,000 Zillow homes to kick off iBuying wind down. So it's a New York City-based investment firm is planning to purchase uh, a bulk sale of 2,000 homes from Zillow and turn them into rentals. And we work with several builders who do right around 2,000 homes a year. So when I've talked to them on our recent calls, uh, since this story came out, I said, basically just all the work you're doing this entire year, just imagine it didn't happen because no one's ever going to be able to buy those 2000 homes for the foreseeable future. Again, they're, they're out of the market for purchase. They will just be rented. So that's a lot of homes and the homes yeah. are located in 20 different markets around the United States. So it's not, and they are and this company happens to already own 70,000 homes on their own. But Zillow still currently owns 9,800 that has to sell to shut this whole thing down. Well, and do you think that it says there's another 8,200 that were under contract? Will those all still close? I think what's going to happen is Zillow is going to try to connect buyer and or new buyer and seller. So I think they're going to say, hey, I know we're in agreement. Can we just either slightly alter the terms of these agreements or just change the parties on this agreement and just let it pass through? to another organization who will take it on. Not exactly clear on where that's going. Maybe Zillow should have just gotten into the single market rental business. Well, that is, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast. We've definitely talked about it internally in different meetings. That is the strangest thing about all this. Why would Zillow have shut it off the way they have with such sudden uh, and, and in such a sudden way at such a fast pace? Because they could have sold that division of the company to someone else like an open door or yeah. to uh, a single family rental company and profited, potentially profited from it in some way versus having the type of loss that they're going to write off. It just seems rather dramatic how, how they chose to go about it. Cause to your point, 
and Open Doors made a lot of money off this. The homes they bought at the in Q4 of 2020, they sold for those great margins that I mentioned earlier in Q1 and Q2 of 2021. They decided to, it seems like they had decided to hold on to the homes longer because the price was appreciating. Generally speaking, most of these homes would still be appreciating in price. So why wouldn't they slow play it, turn them into rentals, do, do something else? Um, yeah. The unlock value is kind of, it's kind of strange. Yeah. All right. Next up from CNN Business. Uh, Facebook parent Meta will remove the ability to target ads based on sensitive categories. I swear to goodness they already did this, but maybe they just want to make sure the world knows that they've already <laughs> they done like this. Talk about it. In a blog post Tuesday, Meta vice president of product marketing for ads said the move is a difficult decision made to better match people's evolving expectations of how advertisers may reach them on a platform and address feedback from civil rights experts. So they're just not going to let you target on anything that home builders can't target on anyway, but now it's going to affect everyone. So I think the easiest way to think about this, when you go to build out a Facebook ad and you have to choose the special categories option and then choose housing, just imagine that some of those same restrictions are now going to be applied to people beyond housing is what it sounds like to me. So that's, that's why this sounds like, didn't we talk about this before? But you know, if you so go hang out with your buddies in, uh, you know, denim marketing, not, not denim, the company denim, like jeans, <laughs> denim marketing. Um, and they start singing you a sad song. Be like, I know you've been doing that for years. So what it made me think of is I used to write Christian fiction. Christian used to, novels. what do you mean? You don't, well, that's not, no, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away with that. You still, <laughs> they are still for sale. You did yes. write them. You are a writer of I'm Christian writer. romance novels. So I didn't run a lot of um, Facebook ads in my day, but sure enough, when I read that, I was like, I wonder all my, you know, Christian romance author friends that were publishers that were running stuff in Facebook, yeah, making life harder for them. So I honestly forget that other people have so many choices in other industries when I read this. I'm like, oh yeah, people can still target for that. Yeah. But um, Yeah. I love making Julie nervous because it's just fun. Why aren't we running? Like you've gotten all this content that's written. The books are created. You should, mm -hmm. you should never, st we should put Andrew, the ad doctor on that. Like, let's get you some <laughs> new campaigns. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard there. Is the cost per click is going to have to be really low. What I make per book, you know, you're going to have to have a really good conversion <laughs> and a really low cost per click. Oh, you're telling me I just got, um, this, this was for, uh, three weeks of pre-sale without fail sales. Uh, I, I got a check here for four dollars and twenty cents. <laughs> so, you you uh, feel my pain, then? <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, yeah. So, and I guess I guess now they've already tricked us because I said I was going to keep calling them Facebook, but I just I just read their you know, Meta is making these changes. <laughs> Moving on. SearchEngineLand.com. Google recommends placing videos on dedicated pages for maximum exposure because they're not stupid. Now, I added that not stupid part <laughs> on the end, but this is something we've been talking about forever with our builder partners where they're like, Hey, Kevin, check out our video gallery. I'm like, that's cool. How come this video doesn't live on its own page with its own URL? Uh, I don't know. Why do we need to do that? The developer says we don't need to do that. Well, you need to do it because if you want to send someone straight to a single video from an email, from a text message, you don't want to have to tell someone go to here's a link to the gallery and scroll down third video from the right. Click on that one. 
no one wants to do that. But now Google is also implicitly telling people, hey, you want to have a dedicated page for a video for maximum exposure. Now, part of this might be to have it pulled out in uh, different search results. So think about how the video is displayed on search results, not just uh, from an SEO standpoint more, more broadly. But they even gave a, a sample image of, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Uh, it's on dedicated page, title of the video, the video itself, video description or transcript below it. And they did also clarify that it's okay if the video is in multiple locations, but having its own dedicated page allows Google to index it in a very specific way. Um, and especially again, for, for rich search results, think, think Google, my business listing showing up on the right hand page. If you want a video to appear in the video results page, or as part of those rich results, it needs to have its own, its own page. Did anyone, either one of you guys, when you worked at, at your builders have dedicated pages for their videos? I'm curious. No. I don't, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember how our gallery was set up. We, yeah. we had a video gallery within the photo gallery and I don't think they had their own at the time I was there. Samantha, either one of your two builders no. prior. <clears throat> and one of those, if, I don't know if we ever said the name, but one of those is a big builder. But the reason, I think most of the reason this is, isn't a thing is because the CMS systems of most website companies just wants to pull a feed from YouTube or somewhere else and kind of automatically display it on the page versus going through the headache of having to create a, a more robust system that, that truly creates its own URL to live on. And in some ways that's easier maybe for the builder to maintain it because you just have one place to upload it. But it's never been a best practice just because it's not. And now Search Engine Land has helped confirm that for all of us. So... Yay. And then the last one uh, here that I added on, and then we got the answers to last week's question of the week is from Forbes.com. And the headline is advertising spending roars back after pandemic pause. Uh, this is dated September 30th, 2021. But essentially Magna Global and Group M, whoever those people are, have raised their forecast for advertising spending, citing unexpectedly robust demand from marketers spurred by Summer Olympics, that sounds weird. And the ending of some restrictions implemented to halt the spread of the coronavirus. So get this. They said that advertising revenue will hit $278 billion in 2021, an increase of 23%. And in June, just a couple months ago, they actually had estimated $259 billion. So they were only off by a couple $11 billion. But they're saying it's likely to go up another 19% uh, next year. And here, here's the trick with all this. When you hear those numbers, you think, oh, that's not that, that's not that bad. And maybe we, we started from a lower level due to the pandemic. What we're talking about is, remember, people stopped spending because they thought the world was on pause. Then they brought some spending back, but only digital because that was the only world that was safe to live in until we knew well how else to mitigate the virus. And now when they're increasing their spends, for the most part, they're not going back out and, and kind of rounding out those spends. They're shoving more and more and more dollars into the same channels, heavily digital, social, search, YouTube, display. And then if they have to, they're looking at other things and other options. But that's why this, this number is so alarming is they're not going back and buying more billboards. They're not going back and buying the inside back cover of the you know, Columbus Monthly Magazine. 
They're saying, I'm going to put it where I, where I saw my dollars work during the pandemic. And that's what's going to drive up prices for all of us over time. It's always interesting. That's what I've been on a few calls this week that, you know, we've just reminded people, I know they know, but search is one thing because people are typing in, you know, new homes, whatever, but Facebook, you're really competing with everybody. You're competing with Coca-Cola and, you know, because there's yep. just, it's just eyeballs and how many ads those eyeballs are going to see. So that's just social spending, especially it makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. That takes us to your answers to last week's question of the week, which was, are you or others at your company planning on taking more vacation time this holiday than usual? And a staggering 70% of you said yes. Now, those are broken out into two main reasons. One was, yep, I need a mental break to start 20, the next year strong, basically. And then a couple of people in the comments said, I do this every year, by the way, this has nothing to do with pandemic or COVID. It's just, I, I always like to take a mental break at the end of the year. And then about 40% of those who said yes, said that they were doing it just because they had to use the time before it, it was lost for the year and they just haven't been able to use it yet. Oh, we did have one vote for revenge travel it was used up earlier this year. So my, I don't have any more days off. That's, that's Nick Hackworthy, the, uh, the CEO of creative homes. Good job, Nick. And he does. He revenge travels. He, he was one of those people who got stuck in Vegas with COVID back in like February or March. And oh, he still goes once a month. So there you oh, go. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's a lot yeah. of Vegas. Yep. So what that means, it, and it, it's not scientific necessarily, but it does confirm that a lot of people are going to be taking extra time off during the holidays. And that's why I continue to think that December is going to be a particularly sharp decline in new lead volume potentially for builders and, and why we continue to recommend get, get your, get, get what you need in November so that you can just uh, work with the existing prospects you have in December to close out the year strong. And then again, the question, the, the new question of the week is are all marketers liars or does Kevin just need to get over it? <laughs> so that'll be a fun conversation. We'll throw a nice, uh, let's do a hundred dollar Amazon uh, gift card in for, for the best comment or series of comments on that topic. I like it. All right. That'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.